Yo, yo, this is Justin B. Bieber. Hey, it's Ariana Grande. Just the interviews. A Zach Sang Show exclusive podcast. Hello, beautiful human. <laughs> we got Dan here. Hey. And we welcome to the studio. Hot Show Right. Hey, hello. All right. Last time we talked was many, many moons ago. Yes. And we weren't in the same place. Via, like, satellites bouncing things around, and, it, you know. It was the worst thing ever. First and last time I've ever done it. So I'm sorry that you had to be the brunt of that guinea pig uh, exper- experiment. That's a terrible impression to have made. <laughs> it was the worst thing ever. But you came back. <laughs> we did. As long as we get Reco- a second chance. To reconcile. Well, it wasn't you. It was totally me. I was like, uh, I was actually in this building, and you guys were in our studios in New York at the time, and I wasn't there for some stupid reason. That was definitely not <laughs> as important as being in the presence of you two. I but- don't know. I think we should have come to your place that you do this maybe that would make sense well you're here now and it, 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 mean, it means a lot to me because you have a whole new era of music new era of human beings three of you now yes mm-hmm. yes the, the other dude's gone yes he is wow your speaking voice is so nice thank you it's very deep it's very like astute it's very factual like it's, i want it's kind of the opposite of the way i sound singing which is kind of bizarre i want to believe anything you say right now all right start with the science Explain to me everything. No, why was now the right time after five years to come back and release art? Uh, That's a great question. Uh, I think like a combination of things kind of happened. National, we we've a lot of a lot of our fans thought that there was some sort of like breakup or hiatus, and it was like due to personalities and stuff like that. But the the truth is like we've always been best friends, and and um, along the way we always kept writing even outside the band and even through my solo country yeah. career. And I think we just, we had written a few songs and it's just so much fun and so easy. And that coupled with, we went and played just some random acoustic shows in Japan. And I think the combination of those two things, we were just like, dude, why are we not? We're free from all our old management. We're free from everything that was, you know, binding us before. And um, it made it, we were just like, why are we not doing this? And so you could essentially restart with nothing holding you back. Yes, Learning mm-hmm. from every mistake you've made before. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Which is probably the most valuable. Yeah, and, and it, 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 I think it was just one of those gut, it's just like one of those gut feelings. We just, it felt, it felt like the right time, and um, it, it, I think we were right about that. It, it, is there a connection? So I8LA is the start to this next era. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tonight Tonight is no doubt your biggest record, right? Oh, yes, sir. Both tied to LA in some ways. Yes. Yeah. Sitting on the edge of the Hollywood sign. Yep. I hate LA. Yep. Is that strategic? No, but it's organic. It's, I mean, this is where we create almost all of the music, if not, you know, like starting it somewhere and finishing it here. Yeah. And it's just the hub for like where pop music comes out of, where we work, we live here. And like even growing up when we didn't live here, we had to come here to work on the records. And during that time, we were running around being crazy and, didn't even know like the kind of areas of the city, but we were smack dab in the middle of Hollywood and had no car. And we were just like walking to Sunset and Vine at 2 a.m., you know, like pushing each other in shopping carts and <laughs> causing trouble. Living the exp- living LA. Like, yeah. Like movie esque type. And he, oh, for he sure. loves it here. And to be honest, for me, I'm kind of like the song very accurately describes how I feel about this place. I sort of love it and I sort of hate it all at the same time. Got it. So that part of it is organic. 
But do you hate L.A. more today than you did before? I've learned, I've learned to to find the things I love about it and hold on to those things rather than harp on the things I don't like. Yeah. Did, did you always love it? I love it. It feels great to me. But with a song, like, it says there's a lot of stuff to not like. And the song talking about a relationship and how, you know, being freshly single and then seeing all the things and all the places that you know to go to mm. and they just remind you of what you came out of. That's like, that's the same everywhere. And it's going to suck when you have those reminders. And in that, you know, you find the negatives that are like traffic and parking struggles and whatever. So like, there's stuff no one likes about it. But the city I love and like, you know, it just feels great and we've made great friends and great music out of here. So LA not ruined for anybody by a relationship? No. no. Not oh. ruined. Close. Any parts tarnished? Uh, no, it's it actually, um, it was my, my brother was going through a freshly sort of single experience um, with with his now fiance, so it's happy ending. Um, and I was just like, man, I was looking at him one day and he was just miserable and I was like, you know, this is, you're going to hate coming back here if this is how, if this is what it reminds you of. And so we somehow got him in a good mood and turned it into a song and now they're back together and going to get married and everything's great. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Does, do they get back together after the song's created or before the song's created? Shortly after. Shortly right? after, yeah. Did she hear the song? Is that why she came back? She was like, this this could be the next Tonight Tonight. I don't even know. I can't leave now. About this song. Like, know, she's going to be like hearing knows. all of these things and be like, oh, oh, all right. It all makes sense. Yeah. But we've had the city ruined for a minute at a time by like even friendships that have gone sour and you've surrounded yourself with like a group and this world. And then you realize something that, you know, it's like not meant to be, not supposed to click, whatever. And then you have to reset your whole thing. And until you do, it's kind of like almost as bad as a relationship. But do you feel like in L.A. it's a city of constant resetting? Or do yeah. you? I mean, in a way, um, which is exciting. I think it's cool to like make sure because you grow and you become different constantly. Yeah. And to be able to keep that, you know, staying true to you, even when that truth changes is cool. Let's just, let's just call it what it what it is out here. And I'd say that I've spent the last five years kind of auditioning my friends and finding out which ones I really like and which ones I don't. And I finally feel like we, I got, like, to be totally cheesy, the right cast. <laughs> Ryan's been trying to formulate a reality show, and he wanted to tell everyone for the first time today. <sighs> Just killing it with these analogies, man. I mean, it's a, it is a very honest and, in my opinion, actually accurate way of looking at Los Angeles and kind of the way it works here. It's like you do audition friends and that is a terrible way to look like, I don't know, like the idea that you can let people come and go and they're just, they're as disposable as anything. Like yeah. that that's, that's a hard pill for me to swallow. Yeah. Because in my life when I'm loyal to somebody, I'm loyal to somebody for a very long time. And if I invest time, like I want it to mean something for the long run. Absolutely. And, uh, I don't know where I'm going as a question, but it's more of a realization. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do you how do you feel about like knowing that that's potentially the reality here? Like, how do you feel about LA? I don't like making friends here. I kind of rely on the friends that I've had for a very long time, mm-hmm. and I've also found that like my friends who also have been here and successful in their own different ways, 
they do the same thing. They keep a very tight universe, essentially. Yeah. And it's, I, I don't think I'm 100% there yet, but I still have a lot of friends from my past. Like, do you guys keep people with you from Nashville? Like, do you still talk to anybody Absolutely. from there? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what I meant by, like, auditioning friends, it's like I've, I've spent the better part of 10 years building this circle that I have yeah. now. And, like, it's great. And I've, I've got my friends in Nashville, and I've, a lot of them are come back and forth anyways between Los Angeles. And um, it's just – it's taken a long time to – I think the, the friendships are what make this place feel homey at all. And it's just taking a long time to compile the the right lineup. It is tricky, though, because in this city, you have to balance friendship and work. Yeah. And at mm-hmm. what point does friendship turn into work or work turn into friendship? What comes it happens first, all the, time, the chicken or the egg? And then- so it's so fortunate that we do music because work for us, like writing songs at least, you can do it with a different person every single day. Yeah. So, like, we don't have to business partner up with our friends and like oh maybe that ruins a relationship because they're not good at business now we can have like a day go get drunk at brunch or something go make a song and share that with friends and then like do a different person the next day and it just makes us have like more potential for the relationship i get that and you get to know people fun and work and all that stuff yeah and the fun adds to you getting an understanding for each other and then you can be vulnerable yeah yeah but sometimes people just want to be friends they don't want to write a record. Totally. It's always nice when that happens. <laughs> so yeah. you rather it that way. I mean, I there, we have, like you said, a pretty good group of friends that we can make music with and do things with. But for the most part, it's like, yeah, sometimes at the end of the day, it's like it is nice to not have to do music with every single person you're friends with. Zach Sang Show. Yo, beautiful human, real quick. If you got stuff in your life that you don't need, you don't use, you don't want, why not sell it? Come on, make some extra coin, bring in some extra bacon, and use the Macari app to get it done. Macari is so easy, it is free, and it's legit. There's like 500,000 reviews in the App Store with an average rating of 4.8 stars. 150,000 new items are being listed every single day. And there's users of Macari in all 50 states, so it doesn't matter where you're at, you can sell your stuff on Macari. Plus, with the holiday season coming up, like Santa needs to get his gifts from somewhere, so why not you? If you got stuff that you want to get rid of, make some extra money. Macari is for you. Oh, did I, I totally forgot to mention that? Like, it makes it really easy to sell literally anything and everything. They're gonna sell it for you. They're gonna ship it for you, and then you get paid. All the hard parts of like doing any sort of online transactions with someone are totally taken care of when you use Macari. If you're interested, just search M-E-R-C-A-R-I, Macari, in the App Store. Try it out. Let me know what you think. Zach Sang Show. By the way, in the five-year break, others could have joined you in going back to Nashville. Like, Nashville is not some, like, third-world country. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it is a hub for music. Yeah, big time. Some great pop records have been crafted out of there, and I know, like, over the last few years, there's been, like, this whole this migration west essentially yeah but like nashville is very different than la and different inspiration wise right much different mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 a, it's hard to describe what it's like to work there it's it's way different what what is the difference between an la session and a nashville session uh number 1 would be start time <laughs> like somebody starts nashville, on time 
No, these people in Nashville, they write like it's a job five days a week, and they don't write on the weekends usually, and they usually, a lot of them have kids and stuff like that, so they're in writing a song by like 9, 10 a.m. and out by, you know, 5 p.m. And out here, it's like, I don't think a session will start before 2, usually. Yeah. Nashville's very work week. Like, this is our profession, <laughs> and L.A.'s very, like... It's Sunday. Let's, I want to go, write. <laughs> let's go get inspired and, like, you know, see what finds us. And... <laughs> They're both great, and they both work for amazing songs. Personally, for me, being a little bit more production-minded, the songwriting in Nashville is amazing. The production in L.A. is always searching for what hasn't been done and what's just touching, like, the edge of what exists pop-wise and, like, pushing that. And Nashville isn't, like as in tune with where L.A. is in that part of the world. I get it. But the craft of songwriting in Nashville is so incredible. There's been like three or four of our favorite songs we've got kind of in our, you know, bundle we're releasing that were made in Nashville and we took them to LA to finish them. Produce them. Yeah. Yeah. There we wrote them with like well, two of our favorite songs are written by one of the larger country writers there with us. And we like basically wanted wanted to go back to Nashville, get the story, and then come back to LA and reproduce it. It's pretty smart. I mean, hey, well it's our hometown, so like <laughs> it feels natural and you know. It was probably during like a Thanksgiving week or something where we were there anyways. Um, but we've gotten some great stuff in both places. What do you learn from your country stint about yourself? Um, I mean, not to touch too much politically, but I, I learned, I mean, I learned how to better write a song. Like to actually go and write a country song is such a different experience. I mean, you, you really do have to like formulate a story and, pull from experiences and and it has to be authentic or it's very obvious to the listener um but i i mean i I honestly learned how to to write a little bit differently and i think it improved me as a writer but that was the thing is just like trying to tackle the craft i'm like looking at you right now and you're saying this nonsense you learn that you're not allowed to have orange fingernails (laughs) and orange hair what are you talking about that's 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 honestly Half of it, I'd say. Did you set, like, when you first made that foyer, coming out of really an incredible run, like, from the very beginning, like, you go even back to Miracle Drug. Okay? Oh, man. Oh, God. From Miracle Drug <laughs> all the way to Tonight Tonight, and then obviously beyond that, you had the last EP, which was really great. Recklessly? Yes. Yeah. So. Which was only in Japan. Legally, I guess. So, does that comes after you make country music? No, that was before I made that, country. That's what I thought. Yeah, it's probably 2014, maybe. It was. Yeah, it was around 2014. Why was it for Japan only? Because they, I don't think the label maybe secured the rights or paid the necessary producers or something to release it in America. That sounds so cheap. I'm not. <laughs> like, I'm not. It was sure. extremely cheap. But the other thing is, um, we were touring Japan at the time, and maybe they like needed to have something to do there. Yeah. By the way, it is special, and I, I'm sure the Japanese fans deeply appreciated that. Oh, we loved that EP, and we played it on the Bieber tour, and so, like, there's live videos of those songs. We just were never allowed to have them be, like, streamable or for sale anywhere but Japan. There's a lot of invisible handcuffs and chains that come along with major labels. and But now it, no more. Now yeah. no more. No. Oh, dude, we when we put I Hate LA out, the streaming started happening... You know, you're like, okay, midnight, New York, yeah. Thursday nights is Friday. But 
we didn't realize that because we are doing this on our own, it's midnight Thursday night everywhere. So like New Zealand was getting it like a day early. <laughs> and everyone was like mad at New Zealand for like having the song already. And they're like showing little clips of it and stuff. And it was really cool to see just the difference of that like little bit of, you know, from having a major label yeah. to being independent. Does the pressure shift? Like is it is it is there more pressure on your shoulders today to be successful this time around? Or was there more pressure before we had to follow t- follow up tonight tonight? I think there's I think there's way less pressure to me at this point. I mean there's there's still nerves and stuff, but the pressure of like trying to you know, like go straight at top 40 and you're competing with other bands. Now it just feels a little bit more even keeled. It just feels like we, we kind of now just get to exist in our own space. And as you know, the song is going to work as hard as we work for it. Yeah. I mean, major labels and independent labels aside, the industry is so different that the last time we put out that EP, it was like, all right, we're going to go to radio. (laughs) If this fails, you've just wasted a lot of money a lot of time on Hundreds one thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like, a, I don't know, maybe a quarter million to try to launch a song and see if it works. 100%. Now, we, and anyone on a major can still do this. Like, you can put out a song and just kind of see how many people fall in love with it. And if it fails or succeeds, you're not ruined or made. Yeah. You know, it's like a lot more fun and flexible. And it's just exciting to kind of create under that knowledge. Which like, is. No pressure or no regulations. Now yeah. I just make Nash give me a quarter million dollars whenever we're going to put out a song. Every week. <laughs> Every week. The bank must hate that you keep showing up for yeah. loans. Yeah, stealing these identities is getting exhausting. It's a lot of work and not as much pressure as before, but work. When you first think about going into country music, did you set goals for that? Because you are different, obviously. Mm-hmm. You have hair that matches your fingernails. Like... Did you think at first, like, yo, I can get into country music and I'm going to bring my fingernails and my hair with me and the music's going to rock and they're going to accept me? I knew not, I knew to leave the hair and fingernails at home. Did you? <laughs> yeah, for that particular thing. And the reason I did it, and uh, like, there's, well, there are a lot of reasons I did it, but, but I don't think I've really said it much except for like some radio interviews for country. But like at the time, um, my mom was just starting to beat breast cancer. So, I and I really didn't like living in LA and I had always wanted to make a country record and as soon as I found out that my mom was sick I was like okay I need to get the hell out of here yeah. and like I went home and um started writing the whole album with my family so I wrote the, every song with my mom my dad my brother and then another kid who actually produced some stuff on the current project for us That is so special Yeah it was it was probably the most special time of my life and it she wrote every single day through chemo and everything and then by the time the day my first single came out off that uh ep she was cleared she was in remission yeah to the day it was pretty wild (laughs) that's really incredible it was it was bizarre yeah that experience Obviously healing, but brings you closer, and I'm sure you learn things about your parents that you've never known oh, before. Yeah, tons of stuff, and 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 my mom is just like, I don't know who. I mean, she's just got, she's just tough as nails. I mean, she just go do chemo in the morning and be like, all right, we got to start writing by eleven. And I'm like, holy crap! 
Why was that the right genre to tell your story or or to tell this story? Because it's not just yours; it's a collective story of your family's. Yeah, it, I think it was the right the right genre because it's one of the few that you can. It's more about the story than it is about necessarily the melody or, you know, it's you you really do get a chance to be like, you know, this is what's happening in my life, and you just do it to a to a tune. Well, and his family also writes country day in day out and has written some of the biggest country songs so that's like you know that was also a, a huge whole, bonus <laughs> a whole, uh, perk to it. but like does music take on a new meaning for you after that um country country did for sure pop is just such a different animal than writing country but yeah i mean it was it was an extremely emotional time yeah like that's incredible thank you music is healing it is it mm-hmm. is i mean it Literally worked on my mom. That and the drugs. (laughs) (laughs) But like having the family around and everybody working collectively on one project, that's really cool. Yeah, thank you. It was it was special special time. So Hacho Ray is back. EP coming, album coming. What do we want to do? Man, you tell us. Yes. (laughs) Because there's no rules, dude. No, exactly. We kind of like and we're just tentatively saying this because we don't want to get fans too excited, but we're just gonna keep writing song after song after song and put it out. And if it becomes an album, then it becomes an album. We've talked about an EP, but as of right now, I think we just kind of want to, we've got the first three or four that we really love, and we, I think we want to get at least those out there before we, you know, go out and play shows or do anything like that. Is there any importance? Do you put any importance on wanting to tell one cohesive story to introduce this new era? Hmm. That's I, a good question. Personally, I'll speak for myself only. I think that all these songs that we write are like snapshots of an inspiration or a moment for like one of us or all of us. So it kind of tells our story more just as like a, here's the life we live and here's like a glimpse into it. than here's like one story over seven or 15 songs or whatever that is. Um, Like we have a song called Tokyo that is probably my favorite song personally. And literally exactly what we did two years ago, almost exactly two years ago, um, we took a trip to Tokyo with 13 people, like all of our homies, my brother, um, his girlfriend who became the fiance in like the second day or something. Whoa, of Tokyo? Yes. Yeah, we actually went and like proposed to her in Japan. We went and proposed to her, which is technically true. (laughs) (laughs) Nash was there videoing the whole thing and making sure it wasn't so obvious. It was a um, team effort. Yeah, uh, it was big time team effort, but um, yeah, that so the that song is is also one of my favorite. I can barely sing it without crying, so it's obviously important to me. But the lyrics are literally: we spent eight days and we just like said what happened, and so those things writing songs, it's like here's a week of our life. You saw it on Instagram, yeah. You know what happened, and now you get to hear like what we were feeling when it happened. Um, That's really cool. Yeah, so I don't think we would ever make an album about a week. Yeah, but for sure, you know, like you want to make a song about it, and we can kind of capture ourselves like that. So, is there a balance when you're crafting a record of being too exact and too obvious, and also staying like artsy and like? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I think so. You can allude to something, and then you could like literally spell it out, like to a T. Yeah, um, I think it depends on on like for the Tokyo song. It was it was so obvious that we needed to like write a story story and like be you know definite and stuff but 
sometimes, I mean, it could be just something someone says in passing and we write a song that means maybe isn't necessarily personal to us, but it's just, we just go on emotion and let it become its own thing. So Tokyo Makes You Cry. Yes. It makes me cry like a little baby. Have you performed it live yet? I no. I have not performed it live, but it was very hard to sing the vocal because it would always get me emotional. But like, I've it's hard to just sing it acoustic in the room, like when we're rehearsing. It's just hard for me to sing it. Wait, because this song's not out yet, right? No, no, it's not out. Yeah, because I haven't heard it. No, and I would have heard it. You're singing in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> you know um, about Miracle Drug? I am certain you would have heard it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm trying to th- like now. I really want to hear it. We'll play it for you. We'll that, give you the secret. How many songs Sneaky. do you have done? Jeez, we've uh, we've got like. Five or six that are like really close. They're not 100% mixed and mastered, but they're like finished. And then we've got, I don't know, five or 10 more that are being worked on. So when did you start? Was Tokyo the first song? No, it was not the first song. We started probably, we've been doing this for like, what, a year and a half, two years? Yeah. On uh, Not consistently because my brother, we always are flying around and doing different stuff and we got to be together to do it. But um I would say it was probably like six months of actual consistent writing consecutively if you were to, to, to map it out that way. But it's like two years of flying around writing songs. Cool. Mm-hmm. And you guys still – were you doing sessions for other people at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean the original session that kind of like poked Ryan and I to start this back up was he was just in L.A. And like we wrote this song that was kind of like urban and country – because he was doing country, but it was us writing it. Yeah. And it was just like a mashup of like whatever happened that day. And it was really great for like a first song back moment. And somebody else heard it and they're like, guys, this is like really good. And to us, we're like, we can definitely do better than this. But the fact that other people are already excited, cool. So we wrote that not writing for us at all. Which is like, let's write a song for pitch or for country or like maybe for that project. Who knows? How often you, were you guys still getting together and writing songs for pitch over the five years that you guys took a break? I mean, I was in Nashville for a lot of it, so not as if I had been here, it, we would probably have been writing every week. Yeah. Um, cool. But, but when I was here, I mean, we'd get together all the time. I mean, yeah, like Nick. Uh, I mean, not Nick. Um, our friend Nick set this up, but like um, Noah Urias, like he came in with me for a couple of days, and Ryan was in town, like so he came in and we wrote some songs together. Um, I'm sure you know Water Parks. Yeah. Like we wrote a song um, for Water Parks and it was just kind of like whoever's in town at whatever time. Like, you just cool. pull them into sessions. Come through. Yeah, Nash was always pulling me into to sessions he'd be set up with. So that was a muscle that stayed active. Yes. Yeah, definitely. How were you able to know what song was for Pitch and what song could be for Hot Shell Ray? <laughs> the Hot huh. Ray ones are usually it's such a specific brand that you when you write it you're kind of like okay i mean they're when you're pitching a song you're probably not going to say something like zach galifianakis in a song but if we do <laughs> write a quirky lyric or something like that we're like okay that's we almost look at ourselves like from the outside be like would the band do this song yeah. Yeah. and it usually for our stuff it's pretty specific we're very intentional like if we're writing for ourselves as the artist we're very much writing for ourselves um, if we're writing for pitch, it's usually in a different setting and like, there's like rules and stuff. Yeah. You know, that song that first sparked you guys getting back together. Did you end up giving it away? No, uh, no, we didn't. We didn't. But I think what a lot of fans don't know when you're writing, is like, we do it kind of like a job too, where it's like, 
you know, we wrote probably 30, 40 songs for, to get these four or five that we just love. And you, you got to write a lot of. How do you know that they're the ones and the other 25 aren't? It's. That's scary. To sometimes me. you know on the day, like mm-hmm. you'd be writing and you're just like, this is just not good or like not the thing or it's the type of thing where it's like you you have to write 20, 30 songs and then the good ones kind of go like this. They raise their hand. and yeah. You're hyped on whatever you make the day of to an extent. And then like a month passes and you're like, oh, clearly this is whack. This is whack. This is really dope. Yeah. Like we did. We actually did that one day. He was like, let's just listen to everything we did. We listened to every single song and like songs we were hyped on like two months ago. We were like, ooh. That's a stinker. That's not <laughs> whack, good. whack, dope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, fortunately, we've been writing songs as professional songwriters, you know, since being in the last mode of like Hot Shell Ray stuff, which has made us better as writers. Um, but, and that, you know, we've gotten to the place where like the whack ones are still good songs. Yeah. See, know? that's the thing because what makes you good as writers is like formatics and clever lyrics. But at a certain point, like, isn't it the combination of that and experience? Yes. That mm-hmm. brings out a great song? Yeah. It, I mean, you kind of learn to A&R yourself, which is like, you know, I'm, I don't know how much public knowledge that is to anyone who just listens to music. But at every major label, there's somebody who's like, you know, listening to your project and yeah. going, it's their job to know, like, that song's great. That song's not. And since we're doing it on our own, we kind of got to A&R ourselves. But we've had enough practice at this point to hopefully take a step back and be able to tell you trust yourselves you trust your ears Got yes to. and the three of us are so diverse in our tendencies and what we like that once we all really love a song it's like the move um if one of us loves it and the other ones don't like that's why we're a band it's because we're the culmination of like all of our tastes also jamie our drummer we're blessed with having like kind of a little a and r guy in the band i mean he's got he's the one he has great ears he has really really great ears for recognizing i mean he played i never forget this you know the story but he played me call me maybe like i want to say a year before it was popular and i was like i made fun of him for like and i was like that's the dorkiest thing i've ever heard and he was like you're wrong (laughs) and then sure enough like six months later i was like whoa you were wrong oh yeah big time what are you thinking, Daniel? Well, you guys have been tweeting about getting back together for a while. So, like, what took almost a full year to put out music? Good Dude, Lord. You would have had zero answer from us a year ago. Like, you think doing it without a major label, it's going to be so easy and we have the control and we can put it out in a week. And we realized, like you asked earlier about, you know, is there more pressure now? I think there's less pressure but more work on us. Yeah. So... We had like songs written and pretty done. And then we're like, oh, so we need to date managers for like however long it takes to find the magic one or ones to get on board with. All right. Oh, booking agents. Cool. Oh, so we need to go take meetings with these like, you know, movie and film and TV producers to like put the songs places so when they come out, they work. Oh, we need to go work with a like a label services in the promoter marketing company. Uh, PR situation. Like, You're building from nothing. Social yeah, media team. Nothing. We're exactly. literally like kind of playing label exec of like hiring every piece separately and a la carte. It's hard. Which it's so great being able to customize our team, but it takes a lot longer than we thought. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, oh, photographers. 
Like yeah, people like, to edit the photos. <laughs> and it's, it's crazy. Like, yeah. Putting a song out, it's like you got to draw up producer agreements and have people get make sure everyone's paid and like you know all that stuff happens and it's like takes yeah about a year. <laughs> the whole, the <laughs> so whole business side you guys weren't aware of before. We're very aware of it. We just you're didn't naive realize to it. how slow it moves when you're the ones like in charge of yeah. you know picking all the pieces. You got to be creative only and then be the star. Yeah, you weren't doing any sort of like the bookkeeping. We weren't the CEOs. Yeah, you knew before. that. You knew ha- what had to be done. Yeah. Like, yeah, you weren't like following up on somebody getting paid. Yeah, there was right. there was a team before there was a team and infrastructure and you know people in different departments to help us. And it's like, oh, cool. All right, I'm going to put this hat on today and be art guy, <laughs> and then take it off and be producer guy. And it's like, it's just it's a lot. It's a lot, but it's mm-hmm. honestly it's it's felt much more gratifying this time. Well, knowing that now, would you have held the reunion announcement until later on in the process? Or, I yeah, I think so. I mean, probably, probably, probably if if we had known how long it was going to take. But um, I'm so happy that we're past that now. But it's also been very entertaining with the real diehards. Just they're on like a it's almost like a 40 member group chat on Twitter DMs that like we go into and like chat with them on. And their banter with us from the past year has been hilarious. Oh, they straight like, up roast us. They're like, oh, really? <laughs> like, yeah. Really? You like, just tell us this again? All right. Yeah. Nice. Like, we're not allowed to say the word, and I put this in quotes, soon, which is like, and now, now, well, actually, we do say it now because it's ironic, but, um, dude, they, they roast us, and it's awesome. We, we put pictures on our Instagram to start teasing this thing, like, but as hints. Yeah. So we didn't say what was happening for the first couple of days. And they were just like, really? Like, we don't care about your new picture you took together. <laughs> if you don't have music for us, then go away until you do. <laughs> and like, you know, the third day we're like, and the music comes out Friday. And yeah. everyone's happy. Well, I was going to ask, were you worried that like diehards wouldn't be there anymore? The fans wouldn't be there? They'd be like, oh, great, these guys again? Or was that was that a worry at all? I think a little, like, I don't, I don't know what it was for you. But for me, I mean, yeah, I think it's, I think it's every, you know, Anybody who goes on hiatus that long or, or doesn't make music, I think you're always a little bit in the back of your mind like, well, we love it. I hope people care. Mm-hmm. And um, But the, as the date started approaching itself, and I, what I kept doing is just like listening to our music, just like myself up because I, I love it and I think it is really good, the best we've made. I was like, you know what? I think they're going to be – I think they're going to be stoked. You believe that? This is the best music you've ever put out? I, yes. I, I, I do. I yeah. – so I was going to say, like, the biggest bummer in the world is having a band go away that you love and come back. And they're like, they haven't evolved. They're doing what they did, but they got older and worse. <laughs> and I'm fully confident that, you know, because we're talking about, like, all the writing stuff in yeah. the meantime, we're better writers, better musicians, better vocalists, like, than we were then. And we love the songs we have. We're, like, making more and more and more. But... We've actually had time to like improve instead of being on tour and playing the exact same set for, you know, like we did literally nine months out of one year. Like it was a really crazy schedule and we didn't get to go like work on like upping our craft. (laughs) Totally get it. Um, So it's been really dope to get that chance to improve and know that when we come back, we are into like current music. We love music and we're constantly listening to it. So we're not out of touch or out of date sonically, and we're better writers and musicians and singers, whatever, right now than we were then. Except for, you know, I don't know where Ryan's tambourine is, so he might have lost a couple chops. Dude, 
Tambourine must come back. I'm going to dust that thing off. <laughs> you have to put some on it. Is, <laughs> is there like a want to... Tonight Tonight was such a big song. Really, it set the tone for Hot Shot Ride as a whole. Almost to a point where it was like... I don't want to say like too big because I'm sure the checks still come in. But like it casts a shadow. For sure. And you could have bowed out when you bowed out and kind of rode into the sunset, kept making music for other people. But has there been a want to follow Tonight Tonight up with something? To not be seen as just having that. I mean, even though you had another big record, you had a couple. Mm -hmm. But nothing was as big as Tonight Tonight. Like that's still being played when you leave your house. Yeah. (laughs) That was like a freak of a hit. Like. But do you it, see it as a freak of a hit? Oh, yeah. It was such a cultural phenomenon. It was past, like, airwaves. It was just, like, you know, a three-year-old sings la la la. And, like, like somebody, says, meme. somebody says whatever in passing. Yeah. And somebody follows it with the next line of a song. They know. And um, I think we're always wanting to beat everything we've done. I don't think there is a real end goal when you do art because you can't stop at a point you can always try to beat what you've done so like i don't know if we can even compare like a song to a song and like say we topped it or not but we always want to do the biggest best thing with the next thing we do um so sure like yeah i want to i want to top that for sure but we're you know what we're having a blast with life we're having a blast making music and we're happy so topping something is just like icing on that cake it's not like, we're not depending on that to, like... Totally. You know, be having a good time. Making art is a fuel. Yeah, It's not sure. like... But the fact that you are actually working together again, it means that you're still swinging and have the chance For to at sure. least hit one out of the park again. Yeah. Definitely. And that's your... I mean, you just never know when it's going to happen. And growing totally. up in songwriting families, I mean, we watched it firsthand. It's just like... My dad always compared it to a batting average. He's like, <laughs> even the greatest home run hitters strike out all the time and... He's like, you just keep writing, and then one of them is just going to go if you keep doing it. But it's consistency. It is. It's like, yeah. I don't want to say that's like 95% of it, but it might be. You, it's it's mm. a lot of eat, sleep, repeat, and yeah. hope that it, it catches. I mean, not to dad it up in here, but like <laughs> my like, favorite wisdom from my dad. I know. I know. Like this whole Daddy Shall Ray situation <laughs> with like the Instagram comeback is a new thing. Um, but now one of my favorite things that my dad said is he's a songwriter was you can't write a crazy hit every time. Even if you could write a hit every time, it wouldn't be a Tonight Tonight Mm. because it's just so much magic involved with like that doing what it did. But he goes, you exercise the muscle, you get good at doing what you do, which is write songs and have that skill down so that when lightning strikes, you know how to catch it. Yeah, And you don't know when it's going to strike. And it's like writing these songs. I Hit LA was written maybe in an hour Tokyo was written in maybe 40 minutes because it was just like here's real life spit it out we wrote a song called too much I like to say in like three and a half days but we were writing a song that wasn't bad it wasn't good it wasn't coming out (laughs) it was like we just sat there and we work on it and like we just couldn't crack the code like all right it's good enough to work on some more tomorrow let's go try it again third day we're like trying it and our friend who was producing it was like, let me just play you like another idea. And he played us this track bed for what became too much. And we were like, oh, 
this is just so inspiring. And that song was done half an hour, maybe an hour. And so we wrote the other song for three days to get to the lightning moment. Yeah. What's the Michael Jackson Prince quote? The Oh, Michael Jackson was like an insomniac and stayed up at night because he was like, God gives me ideas at night. And if I don't stay up, Prince will get them. <laughs> like, so there is like, and if you've ever written a big song, like there is when you're writing a big song, sometimes it feels like the song is writing itself and or it feels like something's just given you. It's the song is being given to you in some way. And tonight, tonight felt that way. Tonight, tonight, I like it like that. And I mean, a small handful yeah. of songs we've written. Tonight, tonight was different though because it was like given to us as a song, and it was written, and then we were like, okay, this is great. Let's change these things and make it ours. Let's rewrite this. Yeah. And we collaborated with the people who initially wrote it and made it our own. Got it. But I like it like that was like crack. It was sitting in a circle. And everything everybody said was like, great, 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 great. Oh, the song's done. Sick. And it was just so effortless. And one of the most obvious, like, this is going to be a great song, like, when we wrote it. Is that your measure of what is a great song in the creation process? How fast it all happens? I mean, a lot of times when they happen fast like that, which writing is not, for anyone who doesn't know, is not a fast process generally it's just usually it it, you know you're all coming up with different ideas and you know one person may have an idea of what they have the song wanting it Uh. to be in their head and it could be totally different and but when those happen it's usually like everyone's somehow on the same wavelength and they happen fast yeah fast is not easier it's harder to get to fast but when you do it it means like oh it's really right well a lot of things need to be right to get to fast Yes, yeah, for sure. The room, is, the room needs to be right too. The room, yeah, and then like what he's saying about his dad, like the practice, like uh-huh. just being ready to catch the lightning is is something that you have to just write a lot to do. Do you guys ever go back and listen to those songs or like, okay, why did these work so well? How can we kind of put that into the newer music? Yeah, that's a good huh. question. I don't think I've ever listened to it like that, and, and now I kind of want to. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we've definitely asked like fans because we know what we like about it. Mm-hmm. But we've asked and be able to like we've been able to see live what hits fans and what moves them when they're listening to it. But yeah, like you said, I've never consciously thought of like, okay, what are the triggers that these create that are exciting? I've thought of the opposite though. I've definitely listened back to it and been like, what the hell were we doing? Yeah. <laughs> we wrote well, the, this uh, one song. Look, the end of tonight's night. The last lyric is it's <laughs> really. Because it's taken from the bridge, like, let it all out, it's you and me, but it's chopped at the end, and it's just, like, flown over there. You'll never be able to <laughs> so unhear it. let it all out, it's... It says, let it all out, it's... Oh, you're and right. And jams. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> so, like, so what are you proving? That there's, there's, no, does, like, there's no rhythm or what, rhyme? Well, no, like, he's saying, like, I listen to stuff, it's like, what? What? Why How? do we do that? How do we miss that? Like... <laughs> We just let that slide. Like, yeah, no we just put, thinking, I, I think we were playing like a show in Japan or something like years later. And I was like, do you know it's they, we didn't cut the it's at the end of that song? And but, he was like, what do you mean? I was like, listen. Like, but music's so emotional and like just like passion based and whatnot. The people like stuff that they like. And it's so hard to even try quantifying it. Yeah. They're like what makes me love this? I wish I knew. I wish I could know so I could do it every day. But that's the thing with the, the lightning moment. It's like, 
some of them are great, some of them are good, some of them are magic. And like, we're just obsessed with like finding the magic ones. When do these songs drop? Because I'm well, pumped. I hate LA's out. Um, we're going to try to drop a new song six to eight weeks in between them. Cool. Just to kind of like keep giving people new stuff. Made. It's kind of like, it takes a second. To like you have to, you know, and I don't think fans probably know this, but when you're releasing a song, it takes like four weeks for a song to even like process into a system to get it out. So really? all the distribution yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's so kind of, like, you kind of have to wait. You know, like six to eight weeks in between is like a safe, like, you know, extra exaggerated time period. I totally get it. But, you know, we'll do like acoustic versions or remixes as well in the meantime in between these things. And we've got a decent amount like ready to go. It's just kind of, you know, a matter of like showing each song love, giving it the most gas we can and then, you know, giving people the new one to be and excited let's, about. Let's be real. It's a safe amount of time in between celebrating too. <laughs> so we can only afford so much 1942, but you have some right there. So well, actually, speaking of celebrating, can you explain this uh, like coked nose Barbie? That you guys she at? celebrated her LA oh, self you, into obliteration. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no idea. Yeah, I love powdered donuts. Um, <laughs> we actually had we actually had a, a really close friend of ours um, help do the art and collaborate on this thing, and um, he sent us over this whole deck of these ideas, and he he was like. He was like, you guys might be too much on one of these, but I think you guys are going to like it. And we were like, dude, that's the most L.A. looking thing dude, I've really ever like seen in my life. Some sad like I've girl partied, blonde hair. I've seen that girl so often. Oh it's crazy. He defines my anti-type for sure. <laughs> As you rub your nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. What do you, th- you good? Well, I just also want to know. So when you guys get back together and you're in rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Do the old songs just come like naturally or do you have to really rehearse those again? Dude, we actually were talking about this because we, we just played our first live show in, you know, six, seven years. We did a, a, a secret show at the Peppermint Club and we spent the first half of rehearsals, rehearsing basically in Nash's living room. And <laughs> because <straight> we were like <laughs> learning how to play again, basically. Like it was honestly for my brother mainly, but the old songs, I mean, Tonight Tonight, I think we joke about it. It's the same three chords, the whole song. And even when we're not singing out loud, I think we could jump in at any point and know what lyric it's on. Like, just start playing. Because it's just that. It's so automatic. It's like, and it's easier than driving a car. And we've done acoustic shows, like, in the last year for different events and whatnot. So, like, getting up and hearing the structure and, like, feeling that out has been really easy. Mm-hmm. But the Tonight Tonight thing is just, like, it couldn't be more second nature. There are some songs, though, <laughs> that I'm sure are going to be a whole situation. Because we made up, like, for live, we made up all these intros and these moments that aren't on the records. You know, like, cool, drum solo, guitar solo, like, drawn-out intro with you walking out first, you walking out first. you did, like. So there's a lot that we have to figure out when we're playing back, you know, the structures and stuff. You have to build it. Yeah, we're like, why did... Why did we choose to do this? And what were we doing in this moment? And is that still relevant? Do we change that? Do we do it again? Did you have a musical director before? <laughs> I took on a lot of the musical director role um, for just the Pro Tools rig knowledge yeah. alone. I mean, basically, like, like uh, yeah, I mean, Nash, I would, like, we arranged the show. He would produce the whole thing out and, like, we would just arrange it and that was it. Which, by the way, invaluable knowledge oh, sure. and ability. 
But it was a nightmare in rehearsals because we'd be like, ooh, what if we did this? I'm like, 20 minutes. I'll just need to chop this up. And like, you know, if you have a musical director that you're not, you can keep rocking or whatever. While they're doing it. You'll handle that, yeah. Next time, I think, we were a little green and kind of (laughs) stupid for not doing that. (laughs) So I think this time around, it'd be probably pretty tight to have one. So what is the biggest thing that you've learned from the first first go around Hmm. that you're using every day? I think the things that we learned the most, I don't know if they were necessarily musical for me, but I, it was a lot of business decisions. The first go around that have, that have completely changed my decision-making abilities and skills and, and, and our conversations. Let's hear them. Oh, that would give away my whole book yeah. that I'm going to be coming on the show. I'm trying to write about my book first, week. though. <laughs> um, no, we just, we learned a lot. Like, we were super green and kids when we started this. And um, I, I, whether it's major labels or managers or contracts or percentages or, you know, any of that, I think we've, we've have a great foothold on yeah. what is right and wrong in that particular space. And that's like, that might be the hardest part of the whole thing. It, it, it's the, it's, the part that I think a lot, there's so many pitfalls when it comes to that type of thing. And there's like, I don't even want to know how many great artists out there right now that people aren't going to hear because they signed a bad deal or they did the wrong thing and, and when they could have done the right thing. And I think for us, we've got the right team that we're all like-minded and we're all making the right decisions together. What is it for you? I think for me personally, it's the bravado of what to believe in and how hard to believe in it as far as like the art that we're making and when you do a song and what we did originally was you know we bring it to the label like we love this like cool we're gonna talk to the board see if everyone's willing to release this as a single i'm sorry there's this old guy who's like (laughs) you know kind of barely able to speak that's just like nah not my cup of tea i'm like how how is this being held and there were moments where we didn't press for what songs we loved. They were like, well, how about this instead? We're like, fine, just put yeah, something out. You're the major label. Like, we're, we, we operated sort of out of a fear-based area. And so, you know, those songs that we kind of caved on and we're like, they're fine. We don't love them, but we don't hate them. Mm-hmm. They didn't do as well as the songs we loved. But we weren't as like passionate about making sure to hold to the ones we were passionate about. And now we're like, yo, if we don't love a song, then like we don't love a song. And we've kind of orchestrated this new world and setup of ours to like cater to that and let it be the music that we're obsessed with and not, you know, the the B list song that we did and we're like, eh. Not having Fine. Carl from finances tell you. I don't <laughs> That's know if amazing. I like that word in the pre. But what if there <laughs> like, is a guy named Carl in finance over there now and he's really offended? There wasn't a Carl. Yeah. Sucks for Carl. Sucks for Carl. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing and really freeing. And it allows you to create in new ways because like, nothing's over your head. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to worry about the approval yeah. of anybody. Dude, when I heard Sexy Back was like told not a single, not even coming out on you. And they were like, was like, yeah, well, this is the only one I'm willing to put out. I was like, oh, man, we did it, like, so wrong. We could have just been like, sure, like, drop us or let's gamble on ourselves. And I think, like, as an artist, you have to do that. If, do you think if you gambled on yourself, a song like Tonight Tonight would have still seen the light of day? 
That was the smartest thing we did that we didn't really want to do at first. We were, we'd made totally different music sonically before that, even though Tonight Tonight was more along what we listened to Mm -hmm. and what we would make in sessions for other artists naturally and like easily. And we heard it, we're like, yeah, it doesn't sound like us. And so we don't really think, and like as we're saying that, kind of realizing it was just stuck in our heads. And we've got the first mix back and we're like, oh, this is really fire. Like, it, it was getting the but first to, mix that changed the whole thing. But so, to answer your question, I think, yeah, I think those songs do get missed if artists don't, if people don't take, you know, certain risks and get out of their comfort zone a little bit. I think, yeah, I think there's plenty of those songs probably floating around out there that are getting missed. 100%. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of those stories. Yeah. I mean, there you've, we've all heard stories of songs getting cut years and years and years later that somebody was sleeping on and it just took the right catalyst to, you know, Get it Light there. the rocket. You're right. Daniel Zola? Yep. You good? Are you guys going to get in the studio with Demi Lovato again? I'm not mad at it. I would never be against any opportunity to sing with her. Yeah. Because she's... incredible voice. Oh, my gosh. Great, great reality check. Brings you right back down to earth <laughs> hearing her sing. Um, no, I would love that. I would love that. We've actually been kind of toying around with different artists for collaborations and haven't landed on one that we necessarily love yet, but we... I think that's one of the more fun parts about doing this is the cl- like the collab opportunities and wh- whether it was her or somebody else. I mean, we're we're itching to get something happening. Mm-hmm. That's the fun part. You get to work <laughs> with people you're a fan of. You get to make stuff with them, like record with them. You know, jump on stage with them later on. It's great. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Who do you want? And we can't even tell you who we want. Man, we're not gonna. Take that bait. Come yeah, on. but like, how do you get them now? You don't have a team. You you don't have a big team to reach we have out. Ways. Like Twitter DMs. Honestly, have ways. Twitter DMs and Instagram DMs are yeah. It's it's, real. it's easier than like you think. Like it's it's. I mean, dude, Sway Lee answers everybody. Like yeah. it's it's cra- <laughs> it's crazy. Like you really can. And and if they're a fan of you, like he reached out. He just was like randomly reached out to Phineas. Um, it Billy Eilish is like pr- producer co writer and like. He hit him right back and was like, dude, I'm a huge fan of the band. Like, would love to, like, hang out and, you know, maybe work on music. It's it's super easy and, and kind of nice. But living in L.A., too, like, yeah. you hang out at places and you just run into yeah. your friends that exactly. are just in the same industry. Like, You could DM somebody and they ghost you and you could probably see them out at in and out <laughs> the night. next day and be like, yo. <laughs> like, yeah, anybody in the industry that you want to, like, you know, hang with, kick it with, whatever, just October. There's a hundred Halloween parties and everyone's at all of them. <laughs> so you know, there's collaborations to be made. Wow, what a life. Do you get invited to these parties? Yeah, and I don't go. There we you usually go. don't either. Yeah. My guy. We like, <laughs> we'll pick one like sacrificial lamb between us and Nash is, you know, the, Nash is the social butterfly. I didn't say we pick different ones. We just always pick me. <laughs> <laughs> Send we, him to do the dirty work. What is the tie to Phineas? Oh no, he's just an example of like you just hit somebody on DMs and they're like, oh, Cool, like, I love your stuff, I love your stuff, let's do something. I mean, you just, it's just like, yeah, you find out in a matter of seconds if somebody's, like, been a fan of your music or knows you at all, and it's like, yeah, it's it's also just a great way to, like, connect with other artists and people in general. Dude, the internet, man, bringing us closer together. Internet's Damn. crazy, dude. Yeah. A blessing and a curse. Yeah. Hot Shell Ray. Do we have a hard date? 68 weeks, so I gotta do math from the last release to we- find the next... <laughs> <thing>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's like Christmas. There's some travel stuff because of the holidays we're trying to sort out. 
around these dates. So that's why you don't have a hard date. You are your own everything. I mean, yeah. It's full service. Look, we got families that will be mad if we don't show up places. We got, you know, Thanksgiving dinners to make happen. Not that we're cooking them, let's be real. Brian might. Are you going to cook dinner? He cooks dinner all the time. That's my other thing I can do. I can do music and I can cook. And that's... That's I max out at two things. That's <laughs> really special. Those are two really good things. It's great for us. You can at least make sure I don't die. I hate LA. Does that kind of set the tone for the sound of what's to come next? I think that's the fun part is it. it's a little bit of an evolved sound, but it, I think it reminds us the most of what we represented. But going forward, I think the fans are going to be really like genuinely surprised with the evolution of the sound. I mean, there's, there's bits of the fun, happy-go-lucky nature to it, but... There's some pretty cool different stuff that we've not really dipped our toes into. Do we launch with our strongest record? Ooh, I think yet to be heard. Oh, that's my personal favorite part is yeah. because I don't think there's a strongest. I think there's different ones, at least in the top five or six. Okay. Because there's a borderline ballad. There's a I Hate LA. There's and like the Sonic palette asking if it's like setting the tone. It is, but it's like, all right, if this song's very minor and, like, darker, it has, like, the same type of, like, style of sounds, but it's not going to sound the same. That makes sense? I love the song we have out, but it's it's not my my favorite one. It hasn't come out yet. We all have different favorites. Yeah, which is fun. Tokyo is about your proposal, so it could be that. Tokyo is like a wedding ring. It's of a our proposal now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> easy killer. Um, no, there's, there's. I, I think our favorites have switched around, like as things have progressed. But I'm, I'm super stoked for the next couple. I really am. Vague in general, just the way we like. You it. know, <laughs> just, just giving you all the nonsense. Just the way we like it. Wow, hot show, right? We've covered a lot here. Thank you for your time and your energy. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having thank us. Thank you guys for having us. Glad we got to come in person this time. Yeah, this was very nice. My last question for you is, do records only start for you in a studio? Or do you, <laughs> do you like, write lyrics as you go and bring them into a session? I think they honestly start less in a studio for for me. I mean, when, I, I mean, when we write songs, like, half the time it's something that's, like, popped up in the shower or something. Like, you just, uh-huh. like, be like, oh, I always have my phone right outside the shower because, like, I get ideas in the shower and we usually come in with something rather than we don't start very much like in the same room from nothing a lot of times. Like, um, I think it was, nah, I think it was a song called like bad pill that we wrote at one point, but Jamie had sent a guitar part from Nashville, I think. Yeah. And we were just like driving. We wrote the chorus in the car to his like phone, just playing, you know, a mic'd recording of Jamie, like making up a guitar part. 2,000 miles away. <laughs> That's the weirdest part is the idea is like I came up with an, a chorus idea. Some band was opening for us and I really liked the chord progression. So and, stole it. And, and I could exact same lyrics. And I couldn't hear anything that they were singing, but I could hear the chord progression and it, it, I was like making up, I made up an entirely different chorus to this chord progression I heard and I was like, this is, I was like in the bathroom, like waiting to go on. Was, this is the weirdest way. To do your job, <laughs> will that song ever see the light of day? You- it we, I mean, it's it not might. Written, but- it's not written, but it might. I mean, it's it's. We'll see how. I haven't listened back to it. We'll see how crappy it was or not at some point. <laughs> crappy bathroom. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> Hot show, Ray. 
Gross and terrible. Yeah, it was disgusting. <laughs> really a terrible way to end this. It really, really right on was, brand for us. Love it. <laughs> really on brand. <laughs> Hot Show Ray. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Dude, thank you for having us. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Appreciate you. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.